Did you know that pizzas are now being delivered by robots and drones? We'll discuss this and other interesting facts about pizzatology with Chef Napoleon on this episode of The Curious Professor. In this episode of the Curious Professor podcast, we'll explore pizzatology with pizza blogger and entrepreneur Chef Napoleon. But first, a trivia question. Where did the Hawaiian pizza originate? I'll have the answer for you at the end of this episode. I'm thrilled to have Chef Napoleon on the show today. When I found out that Napoleon was passionate about meat alternatives as well as sustainability and innovation in pizza making, my curiosity was immediately piqued. I hope this interview with Napoleon will spark your curiosity too. Welcome to the show, Napoleon. It's great to have you here. Thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about your background and what got you interested in pizza making. Oh, well, I uh, went to law school in the beginning and then I stayed one year and then uh, it wasn't for me, I guess. Uh, I didn't want to deal with people problems. So after that, I moved to the UK and uh, I studied uh, hotel and restaurant management with uh, sales and marketing. Got a diploma in that and then I went to Westminster College and I didn't finish. After that, I decided I wanted to travel the world and see different countries. So I joined Emirates Airlines. So I worked for Emirates for uh, eight years. So I, I got to travel the world and collect menus and learn about the takeaway business, the pizza business. And I had a lot of passion for that from an early age. So through my travels, uh, I had collected maybe four boxes of menus from all over the world, from 40 countries. After that, I wanted to open a business. So um, I couldn't figure out how uh, chefs could make a big successful restaurant work. It was like a nightmare uh, because you, you have so much to do. And then it's uh, on top of that, there's a lot of physical work and management and lease agreement hiring, firing, location, contracts, marketing. So I was really lost. So I decided to move to the US to open a business, um, but I couldn't figure it out still. I was like, I knew how to make a very good pizza. I, I knew how to cook, and, but uh, it was a very complicated story. So um, I read a lot of books on the matter. And then uh, I, I worked for a couple of companies and I uh, managed restaurants. And then uh, I was a chef for a while. And then I studied real estate. And then I found a very um, cost-effective building for for sale and I bought it and I wanted to turn it to a restaurant. Well, here was the mistake. I couldn't do that because the to, to set up a commercial kitchen inside will cost you so much money. Plus you have to follow the code. And so I turned this commercial building into a furniture and I had no idea. I, I knew nothing about designs and furniture. And here I was furnitologist. <laughs> And I was making furniture and I managed after 13 years in the field to um, learn how to um, make furniture in the U.S., 
cheaper than importing it from China. I was selling uh, all over the country. I was shipping all over the, the country. And um, and then uh, I, at the same time, I was doing my real estate license. So I got to learn about the contracts and I worked as well. So I had actually two jobs and I would go, I would have my shop and then go to uh, um, another job where I was selling appliances, commercial appliances, some stuff would be used in restaurants. So I, at that point, uh, I figured out that it wasn't the restaurant I wanted to do, but a takeaway. A takeaway is simpler operation and uh, you can really control your cost. The problem with me was controlling the costs in a big restaurant. Then I uh, met a lot of chefs and uh, learned more tricks and how to uh, improve the, my passion. What is Pizzatology? Explain to the listeners where you came up with that and what exactly the concept is. Um, here's a brief journey with Pizzatology. It's a Facebook group. It's a platform where people from all over the world can join and learn about pizza, about pizza recipes, about the pizza business. We're on Pizzatology sharing information and looking for partners. So if you want to exchange recipes with somebody on, on about pizza, um, this is the platform to be on. So we, you'll find uh, award-winning chefs. There's about uh, 350, some of the best chefs in the world. Some are, have uh, won uh, awards, com competitions uh, from Italy, from the US, from Australia. Uh, you will learn about the latest technology in the takeaway business, the restaurant industry, and it's all for free. I'm a member of your Facebook group. I love uh, reading your posts every day. They're quite fascinating. You have some very interesting things, not just about pizza. A lot of your posts are about pizza, but you also have interesting things about other areas of food, food technology, recipes, Recipes. It's a great place for people who are interested in learning about that subject. The nice thing about uh, Pizzatology too, it's we're starting, we're just starting this platform and we're looking to to help each other. So networking is, is, is a great tool. So let's say you live in uh, in the US and you'd like to do a logo for your uh, for your book. And then you can find someone in the Philippines that has done a great logo for their book or uh, magazine. So, and she asks you for recipes and you ask her who did that logo. This is how you save money. This is how you network. And it's all about networking. Once we all uh, network, uh, wonders happen. It's not about, I mean, we, we should, uh, remove the barriers. So this is this is what uh, physiology is about. It's uh, helping others where they need help. And by helping others, you help yourself. More than 5 billion pizzas are sold worldwide each year, and an estimated 350 slices are eaten each second around the world. Why do people love pizza so much? I think 360 slices are uh, sold in the U.S. alone, not around the world. However, pizza, why people eat pizza, it's a, it's a nice snack. It's a, it's a whole meal. It's good hot or cold. It's better when you eat it the next day. You can add any topping on it. You can, uh, it has uh, carbohydrates, it has protein, and you can add arugula on top. It becomes a salad. Uh, it, you don't need to uh, wash dishes after you eat pizza. You can watch it. You can eat it when you're uh, watching a game. It brings people together from all backgrounds, uh, rich or poor. Pizza is the most popular food in the world. I think my favorite part of your answer is the part about not having to wash dishes. So as you mentioned, pizza is a popular food choice for people all over the world. One of the best pizzas I had was in Lake Bled, Slovenia, of all places. Can you tell us about some of the most unique and interesting pizzas you've come across in different countries? Sure. Um, in Japan, 
they like their pizza with the squid. The toppings is squid. In Germany, side up egg. In the carnivals and the, the market shows, they tend to sell a lot of uh, fried pizza with Nutella on top. Some choose, choose it with bananas. In Russia, it's with the salmon and red onion. In France, bacon, onion, fresh and fresh cream. In India, it's with a lot of pizzas I've tried. is with the chicken curry. Uh, Australians were the ones who uh, put pineapple on the pizza. And they like the shrimps of uh, Costa Rica. They um, have strange tastes, which is coconut on the pizza. Uh, Amsterdam, they like their hot dogs on some of their pizza. And some of them like very chili uh, very hot hot dog. Uh, Lebanon and Malta, they have the menaish. Chicago uh, makes the, the pot pie pizza, which is one of my favorites. Uh, New York style, of course, everyone's familiar with the New York style pizza, which is the thin crust pizza. But the difference between the, the thin crust pizza in New York and uh, in Italy, in New York, they, they put a lot of uh, herbs on the pizza. While in Italy, it's um, thin, but mild in the flavor. However, if you take some guys from New York and you take them to an Italian uh, pizzeria and you tell them, uh, let's have this, let's try a pizza there. They'll say, oh, this is not good. This is not cooked enough. But if you take the same people to Italy and you tell them, how did you like your pizza after they've been to one of the pizzerias? They'll say it's great. <laughs> They wouldn't say it's uh, it wasn't cooked. <laughs> um, Egypt uh, makes the fatira pizza, which uh, they fill it with anything you like, basically. It's very thin, um, very, very thin uh, dough. It's like phyllo, almost like phyllo. Of course, uh, Naples uh, in Italy is one of the, has the concentration of the best chefs in the world. Uh, and uh, my favorite one is the margarita, if you add just some arugula. Usually pizza, if it's basic, two or three uh, toppings, that's all you need. The more you add, the, the, you lose the... You, you lose the you lose the game. So what's your favorite pizza? Uh, margarita with uh, arugula. And you? Well, I was born and raised in New Jersey. So I would have to say New York style pizza has a place in my heart. Although when other, I don't know how much you traveled around the United States when you lived here, but there are other places around the country who claim to have New York style pizza, but it's never like you actually get when you're in New York. So you've tried the Faro pizza in Brooklyn. I've, I've never had that pizza, no. It's, it's one of the greatest. Okay, next time I go and visit my friends and family, I will go and get that pizza in New York. You're an advocate for automation in pizza making. Why is automation important in the pizza business? A professional pizzaiolo in the pizza restaurant can make about uh, 45 pizzas maximum per hour. Now, a robotic system can make about 300 pizzas per hour in a restaurant. So if you have a busy location, you're saving a lot of employees. You're saving money on employees, not only on employees, but you're saving uh, on health insurance. Um, you don't have the problem of the employees uh, not showing on time. You don't have to deal with firing and hiring, training, vacation. You really don't want to be paying people minimum wage to do um, this job. You, you'll, you won't have the headache of the staff having problems all the time. No staff uniforms, laundry, the staff uh, suing the establishment. The machine is not going to take one hour break, go smoke cigarettes. 
You have no staff meals. Do you see the picture? So basically cutting costs for the restaurant, cutting labor is uh, is the name of the game. So the, the production is increased and the cost is decreased. Correct. When I was doing research for this episode, I discovered the first pizza was delivered to outer space in 2001. The pizza was sent to the International Space Station where Russian cosmonaut Yuri Usachov had the honor of being the first person to receive a pizza delivery while in orbit. It's an interesting intersection of science, technology, and the art of food. You have an interest in the use of technology for pizza delivery. Can you tell us a little bit about the use of robotics and drones in pizza delivery? I would like to uh, talk about the first point. Delivering pizza to the moon is great marketing for the company who did that. Um, But then when we have... uh, 690 million people starving and hungry around the world, it's not making sense. Because um, let's say you have a a leak in your house, in your kitchen, and then you're leaving that leak and then you're going to fix the neighbor's car. I think before we deliver pizza to the moon, uh, we need to tackle the issues we have on earth. Now, delivery is uh, is the most important source of income for restaurants at the present time due to COVID. Uh, customers uh, love delivery and they demand it at the moment. So this is the delivery is the name of the game. So now, um, as pizza delivery is booming, uh, there is more ghost kitchens are popping up in prime locations at the present time. In uh, California and Australia, they're using uh, robots and they're using cars and they are using drones to deliver pizza. Now, the the funny part uh, about uh, delivering with uh, drones is uh, they're not allowed in most cities. However, if uh, a company needs to um, to get free advertisement on the on the news and uh, don't say I said that, um, they can get the cart, the robot cart, going through the neighborhood and then they say the dog to uh, to chase it and that will go to the news that would be great advertisement for that company i, I think um, delivery by robots and drones and uh, is, is is still uh, in its early stage it's not successful uh, in it's not cost effective in uh, some with some companies where they have a big car and they're heating the pizza in the car and delivering as they go those cars are extremely expensive i think the drones in the countryside are great because uh, especially with COVID, there's no uh, nobody handling anything, and it's all done. Uh, even you pay by credit card, and you get it. It's in your yard, so no contact. Um, as for the um, the cart, I think the dog is going to have a lot of fun in the neighborhood. Do you think post-COVID, after we get through the pandemic, that people will still have more of a preference for these types of deliveries, the non-contact delivery or more innovation in delivery, rather than going to pick up a pizza, say, for example? I think it's going to be a mix of both. It will take some time to have some stability and trust and because people are not sure of the, the vaccinations at the moment. Uh, but I'm positive that the laws about the restaurant uh, industry will will change. Some laws are changing already at the moment. Can you give us some examples? Now, the capacity of the restaurant is 50%. You're having more restaurants demanding uh, that the customer would pay by credit card or pay online through the app. They they don't give a menu out. A lot of restaurants actually haven't opened in some countries for, for a year now. Millions of restaurants are gone out of business. So it's, it's a lot of, ch- I'm seeing a lot of changes that will happen in the industry for sure. Do you think it's going to be an opportunity for different types of restaurants to take the place of the ones that have closed? Absolutely. Now, prime locations with those high rents are not making the cut. So chefs are teaming up 
together to uh, open ghost kitchens. So that you have six chefs teaming together to do a, a ghost kitchen. So they will split 1,500 rent by six. And they're probably getting this ghost kitchen in a farm. So where they can as well, the farmer is, they're helping each other out. And this is the way to put them on. But once we're over COVID, then the main uh, real estate in the prime location are going to be the, the hot uh, properties. That's fascinating. The whole idea of ghost kitchens is very interesting. If you want to start a business and you uh, have very little money, you can do it very easily. The most popular pizza topping is pepperoni, yet you're promoting plant-based pizza restaurants. I'm a vegetarian, so I'm not complaining about that. But can you tell us why you're an advocate of plant-based pizza? Why cut meat products from pizza? Okay, so let's look in, into history. The caveman used to go in the cave and he had to hunt to um, to eat, right? So he he put a lot of burned a lot of calories every day, uh, did a lot of running, and uh, so it was necessary to probably to to get meat, right? But as we are now uh, working on the computers all day and uh, look at uh, the mail, how it evolved. You in the beginning you send the uh, mail with a pigeon, and then you you had a telex and uh, and the fax and then you had the, the mail you'd send through the, the post and then came the email and then came the text message so things are evolving so why wouldn't food evolve so we're at the moment we're messing with um, a lot of farms around the world uh, there's a lot of problems in india there's a lot of problems in egypt and there's a lot of problems in the us the farmers are throwing the food away so i'm sure now a farmer would make more money in selling some exotic mushrooms than selling chicken because the corporations, the big corporations are in control of the poultry uh, business. So um, now when we look at, uh, uh, so if you want to be healthy, would you be eating steak and sitting on the computer every day? No. Science says that you should eat less meat. So why don't you eat mushrooms? Why don't you get your protein from a, a plant-based diet? So a plant-based diet is healthier for the individual and it's also healthier for the planet. Absolutely. And what about plant-based cheese? How does that work? Well, I've tasted a lot of plant-based cheese and uh, there's a company in, uh, it's out of California and they were, they were not very cheap, but they were not expensive either. And it was the best cheese I've ever eaten in my life. Usually when you eat cheese, you feel a little bit bloated, but this company was uh, just, uh, she's a Japanese lady. She makes an excellent product. So why cheese and why should we remove the, the meat off the, the pizza? Here's the, the answer. Actually, pizza can make you lose weight. Pizza is, if it's done right, if you um, ferment the pizza the right way, you use less oil, you um, put uh, plant-based uh, products on the on the on the pizza it's uh, it's a complete meal it's it's the perfect meal actually and it will taste i mean you're sacrificing 10% of the of the taste of regular pizza so if 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 you go to a really good chef you're eating the best meal in the world and you're you're uh, you're losing weight and i love that every day on your pizzatology blog on facebook you have the most interesting ideas for plant-based pizzas. You post several a day, which are delicious and um, stuff that I want to try here at home to try to make. Are there any other Are there any other fascinating facts about pizza you'd like to share with us? Well, Karen, I'm going to give you some uh, good pizza advice and business advice. You have to buy my book. Is it available yet? I'm halfway through, but it should be ready in a year and a half. <laughs> We're going to be anxiously waiting for your book. 
One interesting fact about pizza that I found was that Lombardi's in New York City was the first pizza shop open in the United States, and that was in 1905. I um, read a lot about Lombardi. I haven't been there, but uh, it's it's uh, it's an establishment. It's a beautiful establishment. It's uh, they, they teach a lot of people how to do pizza, and they're very successful. What is the thing you love most about pizza? That's a great question. What I like about pizza, it's um, actually it can change the world. How can it do that? A lot of careers can change the world. But pizza is, you have agriculture, you have cheese, you have crops, you have flour, you have ovens, you have real estate, you have... So the, the people who are working in the pizza business, it's, it's are a lot of people. If they, all those people unite together, improve farming, improve education, educate poorer countries, some second world uh, countries... Uh, need education, they can make them make a living out of pizza. Plus, you can teach them how to invest in cryptocurrency. And once they have a decent living and can invest, they can help their friends and their villages. And by doing this, uh, we're solving a big problem. So you can do this in um, in farming too. You can do it as uh, uh, in medicine as well. So this is the aim of pizzatology: is changing things because the leaders are failing us in some in some ways. Therefore, we have to do the change ourselves. So what's the the use of prestigious universities and good education and and then there is greed? Doesn't make sense. So once we look at the big picture and see how we can help each other, and by helping others, we help ourselves. I love the idea of being able to help develop in countries uh, with the use of pizza as a driver of an economy or many economies, different areas of their economy. Absolutely. Is there anything else you'd like listeners to know about pizza or pizzatology? Pizzatology is where we're looking to um, connect with different people, either do uh, podcasts, write books. There is When you sign in, there is about uh, 20 different categories where you can join and uh, where you can uh, tell us about your expertise and then we all will help each other. This is what uh, pizzatology is all about. It's in the early process. I'm not sure. Once I meet different types of partners, then we can see how we can evolve. At the moment, I'm, I will be focusing on uh, writing my book, blogging on uh, pizzatology. And uh, the funniest thing, the nicest thing I want to do is I want to do a, a comedy blog. So I'm looking for a comedian who's in the restaurant business. And if there is someone uh, there, uh, they can get in touch with us. That would be. And where can listeners find out more about you and your work? Uh, listeners can find me on LinkedIn under Pizzatology or on Pizza Technology on Facebook. It was great to have you on the show, Napoleon. Thank you so much for taking the time to be a guest on the Curious Professor podcast. Thank you for having me. And now for the answer to this episode's trivia question. Where did the Hawaiian pizza originate? The satellite restaurant in Chatham, Ontario, Canada has been given credit for the invention of the Hawaiian pizza in the 1960s. Interestingly, in 2017, the president of Iceland said he disliked pineapple pizza so much that if he could, he would ban it in Iceland. In response, Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada, tweeted his support of this delicious southwestern Ontario creation and said he was a member of hashtag Team Pineapple. We'll end the show with something punny. How do you fix a broken pizza? With tomato paste.
Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Curious Professor podcast. If there's a person, place, artifact, or natural wonder that has sparked your curiosity and you'd like for me to feature it on the show, please let me know. My website is thecuriousprofessorpodcast.com. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe to the Curious Professor podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you'd like to become part of my community of curiosity seekers, be sure to visit my website, thecuriousprofessorpodcast.com, and join Dr. B's Hive. Until next time, always be learning and be curious with Dr. B.